All right, y'all. If you are visiting for the first time, you won't be able to answer this question, but there be, should be plenty of people who can. The theme of Ephesians. Christian. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, the theme is you are Christian. You are wealthy. God has paid for every one of your sins. If you are a Christian, if you are born again, if you belong to Jesus, God has paid for every single one of your sins, past, present, future. He's made you justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Christian, he's taken away your filthy rags. He's given you spiritual riches. On top of all that, he's in the process of sanctifying you. That is making you more and more like him. On top of all that, he promises never to leave you nor forsake you, no matter how often, how awful you blow it. Okay, Christian, you are wealthy. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, Christian, therefore walk worthy. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 is, is a constant response to what God has already done to bless the socks off of the Christian. Basically, chapters 4, 5, and 6, Paul is saying, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit... Look, it's time for you to quit walking like a pauper. Uh, that's a, a really poor person, a bankrupt, spiritually, morally bankrupt person. Quit walking like that and start walking like the prince that God has made you to be or the princess. Quit walking like a dead man. We saw that in chapter two, I think. Quit walking around like a zombie with no direction and instead start walking the supernatural, abundant spiritual life. Where people are like, is that the same guy? That's what chapters 4, 5, and 6 is all about walking in accordance with what God has already done for you. Okay? So, today, <clears throat> we come by way of application. Actually, let me say this too, just to make sure. When we go through 4, 5, and 6, we see a lot of do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. These are all commands. Okay? So, they're not optional. But... We don't do these things to earn God's love. No, we do these things because of the love that he's already shown us in chapters 1, 2, and 3 to return his love. Okay? All right. All right. Here we go. Today, the, the topic at hand in regards to walking worthy of this great high calling topic at hand, God wants to speak today in this room with children and with parents. And that's why we have brought you all here. God first, though, wants to speak uh, through Paul, by, by the inspiration, to children. We're going to look at verses 1, 2, and 3. And I don't know if you know this, but this is one of only four times that the Bible speaks directly, first person, to children. It gives them a direct command. Exodus 20. You guys, many of you are familiar. That's the Ten Commandments. It's the first time. Deuteronomy 5. Colossians chapter 3 and here. And guess what? In all four places, I'm hoping all the, the youth are listening. Okay, They've got their heads down, but I'm hoping it's because they're, they're looking at their words. Okay, In all four places, the directive to the, ch the child is only one thing. It's always the same message. It's one rule. It's not children. Get your theology squared away. It's not children. Are you pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib? Calvinist, Arminianist? No, every time the Bible speaks directly to kids, it's short and sweet. It's one rule. Now, just so you know we're not picking on you yet. I said yet. Um, 
We've recently, adults here, we've been given one rule too, remember? Husbands, what's your one rule? Love your wife like she's part of you, because she is. Wives, submit to your husband, that is, let him lead like the head of the family. Guess what? Because he is. And kids, are you all paying attention? Here's your just one rule. Verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Now, all the young students, you were wondering why you didn't have class today. And now you're like, oh, I get it. It's an ambush. <clears throat> no, no. No, it's because God has something directly to say to you, specifically for you. And I chose the age group because I knew you could track. I knew you could follow with me. Okay? It's just one rule. It should be easy to remember. Matter of fact, all the parents already have it memorized, I bet. If you didn't before, you're like, okay, I got it now. Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Young people, you're specifically invited today because these three verses are specifically for you. And I've been praying, just so you know, I've been praying that you would learn today how to and why you should obey your parents. Now, before we go too much further, raise your hand if you are someone's child. Oh, that's right. It should be pretty much everybody, I think. It reminds me of a joke that I, I, we do in the Dapper Dan's group at, at Disney. I'll just ask it this way. Anybody here today from Buffalo? Anyone? Anyone from Wales? No? Okay, well, I'll tell you the joke. I'll assume that there's somebody is. We say, hey, anybody here from Buffalo? And they say, yeah, I am. And we say, oh, well, we're from normal parents. Human parents. Buffalo. Human. Okay. Wales, it works the same way. You from Wales? No. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let it sink in. Took a while to disperse through. Okay. Listen, we're, we're all children, right? Paul's target audience, we must be clear, is children still living in their parents' home. But we are all children of someone. And I pray that if you are not yet a child of God, that you will be before you leave today. Gloriously, we had one person for service who was not a child of God when he walked in. He walked out. Child of God. Awesome. Okay. So, ready? First question. How and why should I obey my parents? <clears throat> let, me, let me give you the why first. Because I remember being a kid. And I know you're like, really? That far along? I'll go? Yeah. I remember that the why was really important to me. It's like, I really want to know why, so I'll have motivation to do the how. So let's talk about the why first, okay? Look at it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents. Why? For this is right. Now, for some of you, that may sound very familiar. Why do I have to? Because I said so. It's a very short answer, right? When what we prefer is a much longer, detailed one. I hate to break it to you, but sometimes the real answer, the best answer is the short one. Children, obey your parents because it's the right thing to do. The word right, it's where we get the word righteous. Just to make sure that, that we're clear... Just a, a quick poll of what you guys understand is right and what's not right. Um, 
Telling the truth. Right or wrong? Right. Right? It's, let's, when, I was, when I was younger, way back in the day, we used to say, righteous. Remember that? No, you're like, no, we're too young to remember that. Okay, so telling the truth. Is it righteous? Yes. Okay, uh, finding a purse. And I'm, I'm asking the kids. Finding a purse that's not yours and it's filled with money. And you give it back. You do that because it's right. It's righteous. Okay, check it out. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obeying your parents, you do it because it's right. And all the parents go, righteous. Listen, it's truly, I know, I know it sounds simplistic, but it, it really is enough of a reason. I promise you. You know why? Because it was enough of a reason for Jesus. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Check this out. Verse 40. It says, and the child, and mine is capitalized because it's talking about Jesus. And the child Jesus grew and became strong in spirit. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. I bet. Verse 41, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company... They went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Okay, so they're all leaving Jerusalem in this big caravan. They're like, oh, well, Jesus, I, I'm sure that aunt so-and-so has him, right? We're, we're, we're close-knit family. I'm sure it's going to be going to be fine. They go about a day and they're like, uh, you mean you don't have him? They, they, they do the thing that I seem to do about twice, about twice a month. Looking for my kid here. Where'd he go? Okay. You don't have him. They were, they were freaking out. It says, verse 45, so when they did not find him, the boy Jesus... They returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers. Notice that. By the way, the teachers here are rabbis and they are the smartest rabbis around. OK, this is in the temple. This is where they all get together and they talk philosophy and they try to outdo each other. And they they uh, iron sharpens iron. They get really smart. OK, Jesus is in the middle of them. He's 12 years old. And it says he's both listening to them and asking them questions. <laughs> Verse 47, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Kids, right now, you only think you're smarter than your parents. Jesus really was. I mean, <clears throat> now watch, look at verse 48. So when they saw him, his parents, that is, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Look at this. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Young disciples talking to you. You ever sometimes go, man, my parents just don't understand. They just don't get it. Jesus can relate. But notice next verse, verse 51. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and he was subject to them. Subject. It's hupotasso. It's a word we saw earlier. It means to place yourself under. He went down to Jerusalem and he obeyed his human parents. He's God. He obeyed his human parents. He made them boss. Jesus, who is God, obeyed his parents. Why? Because they were so much smarter than him? No, because it was 
right. It's the right thing to do. Listen, I get it. I remember when you when you're 15, 13 years old, you, you sometimes think that you're actually smarter than your parents. Even if that is true, even if it were true, Jesus is God. He created the universe and he obeyed his parents because it's the right thing to do. It makes you wonder how many interesting conversations actually happened and maybe some that were this close to happening. Mary says to Jesus, honey, I need you to be home before dark. Mom, I made the sun. (laughs) Jesus, please, no more walking on the lake. You're embarrassing your little brother. Okay. Think about this. Even at the beginning of his ministry, right? He's 30 years old. What do we see? At the very beginning of his ministry, his mom says, Honey, I need you to make some water into wine for this wedding reception. And he says, Really? Mom, really? Uh, The Son of God doing parlor tricks? I mean, he's like, Okay. He submits. And guess what? The wine was the best ever. He did it because it's right to obey your parents. Right in the Greek means approved by God or acceptable to God. How many of you want to be approved by God? I hope it's everybody. I mean, let me put it this way. How many of you want to be on God's good side? Okay. Maybe you were one of those kids where in public you're an angel. You you help in church. Everybody here would go, oh man, what a great guy. What a great girl. You help your teachers. Maybe you feed the homeless. Maybe, you're, maybe you witness to your friends. You do all of these great things. The Bible says, look, there's really only one job. If at home you're disobedient, you're disrespectful, You are not doing the one thing that God says he approves of that's acceptable to him, that makes him smile. Colossians 3.20 says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. So first question, why, why should I obey my parents? Because it's right. But number two, and this is really cool because Paul could have just stopped there. And that would, again, be the very familiar answer that we get. Yeah, because I have to, because it's right, right? Because I said so. But Paul doesn't stop there. Look at verse 2. Honor your father and mother, he says, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. There's the promise. Paul's quoting Exodus chapter 20. You guys remember Exodus 20? That's the Ten Commandments. God's top ten. Okay? Remember at Mount Sinai, fire and smoke, people are freaking out, saying, Moses, you talk to him, uh, we'll be fine, we'll just listen through you. God says, Moses, get up here. I'm going to give you my top ten. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me or beside me. No, I'm, not, I'm not sharing my God's face with any of, any of your gods with a little g. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol. Number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And number five, honor your father and mother. And here's the first one that actually has a promise attached to it. That your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. 
Paul says, look, you should obey your parents because, number one, it made the list. It made the top ten because it's right. But as an added incentive, look, this is the first one in the top ten where he put in a promise for you. Look at it again. Ephesians 6, 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Quick question. Does God keep his promises? I, I found that to be true. He keeps his promises. So check it out. So the first commandment that if you do it, here's your promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Young people, did you hear that? What the Bible says here is if you'll do this one thing, obey and honor your parents, it will go well with you. You will prosper. You'll live longer and better than if you didn't. Now, some of you, but the lawyers kind of mind like, well, wait a second. What about people who are, do obey their parents and, and they die young? Well, let me put it this way. I don't know what's going to happen in your life, but I can tell you this. If you obey your parents, you'll live longer and better than if you don't. Okay? Especially the better part. Listen, listen to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Who wrote Proverbs, by the way? Oh, come on. We need more. Solomon, thank you. Thank you. Solomon. Uh, Solomon was the smartest guy in the world. And he was a king, right? Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. This is the very first proverb. So this is, he's starting down to write the book. Say, look, I've got all this wisdom that I'm going to share. And he, he, sets, uh, he sets it up and he says, uh, it's written by a king to his son. Proverbs 1, verse 8 and 9. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother for they will be a graceful ornament on your head. Now, if a king says it's going to be a graceful ornament on your head, what's he talking about? Crown. All right, everybody needs to gear it up just a little bit here. A crown. He says, and chains about your neck. He's talking about jewelry. Basically, what this is written by a king, and I think he's saying in the very first proverb, listen, if you tune in here and actually do this, it will go well for you. Oh, and by the way, I'm the richest king in the world. It will go really well for you. Okay, that's what he's saying here. But maybe you're not convinced. Maybe you're thinking, okay, I get it. Things will go well for me, but I'm still not all that moved to obey my parents. You guys ever heard of the carrot and the stick? Okay, again, I'm showing my age. A carrot, when you're talking about motivating someone, the carrot is where you dangle the carrot in front of them and like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll do that to get the carrot, right? If, not, if the carrot won't work, you use the stick in the backside, right? You, st- you still get them the place you're trying to get them. Okay, listen, children, Ephesians 6, verse 1, 2, and 3, that's your carrot. Want to hear your stick? No, but here it is. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. Is that enough of a stick? It's kind of the flip side of the argument, right? And you're, maybe you're like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Listen, that is not a threat, okay? I promise you it's not a threat. This is what it is. It's an intentionally graphic warning. Okay, uh, maybe some of the, the middle schoolers who like the, the blood and gut stuff. This, this should, I'm speaking your language here. It's an intentionally graphic warning because it's a graphic way of talking about death. Let me try to summarize for you. If you don't learn obedience at home and in church, 
You will learn it somewhere. You'll learn it in the unemployment line. You'll learn it after your third pink slip. You'll learn it in jail. You'll learn it in prison. And if none of those places you'll learn it, you'll learn it as you die. You'll learn it before the throne of a perfect God. So, I hope that's motivation enough for you. Look, we're to obey our parents because it's right. But number two, if we do, it's going to go really well for us. And if we don't, it's not going to go well for us. So, hopefully you have the why. Now, here's the how. If you're motivated, and I hope you are, now you're like, okay, well, how do I do this thing? Obedience. Let me just highlight, if I can, real quickly, three words in the text. And I think it'll, it'll help us understand this concept. The very first word is the word, that the operative word, obey. Look at it. Verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This was very helpful to me. In the Greek, listen to the word. It's hypokuo. Hypokuo. It's a compound word. Hypo is where we get less than, right? Uh, hypoallergenic. It's, it's, uh, it's better for you. It's not as allergenic as other things, I guess. Uh, hypo, it means less than. To subordinate, to place yourself under, okay? Okuo. That's where we get the word acoustics. So it means to listen. If you're actually willing to, to listen today and obey God, where it starts, where obedience starts, where honoring your parents starts, is listening. Listening and placing yourself under their authority. By the way, this is universal for adults as well. If you hear the voice of God, listening, placing yourself under their authority, under his authority, no matter what he's saying, whether you like it or not. Children, how to obey? It starts with listening. And it's an active listening because the word hypokuo, if you put it all together, it's actually the word they would use for a, a porter, which is an old school word not, not many people know. Think of a doorman. Uh, think of an usher. Okay? It just, it's the actual word they would use for, in our case, an usher. person who stands by the door, maybe somebody knocks, uh, knocks very quietly, and they maybe crack the door open and they listen very, very carefully because they don't want to disturb what's ever going on. But they're very, very active listeners. I don't know if you're gathering the gist of this, but what this means, kids, is that your very first job when it comes to obedience is to be active listening. Not, just a minute, Dad, while I kill this last zombie off. It means to... Do the same thing. And, and again, we we're going to talk a lot about this. We're preparing you for adulthood. I am still, as a husband, still learning to go. Actually, turn my face to my wife. When she wants, to, when she's trying to get my attention, it's my tendency to go. Oh, just a minute. I'm still learning this. I'm trying to, to save you guys a lot of heartache. OK, <laughs> it's active listening and it's saying, all right, I'm going to quit what I'm doing and I'm going to listen to you. Hypokuo. Now all the parents are going, how do you spell that? <laughs> Here's the thing. And, and this is the, the, the gist of the whole message today. Look, look down with me real quick. I think it's at verse 5. It begins at verse 5. It says, uh, starts to talk about, we're not even going to touch this today, but I want to show you something. It says, uh, slaves, 
here's how you're supposed to interact with your uh, masters. Masters, here's how you to interact with your slaves. Now, today we don't have slavery, thank the Lord, but it still applies to employees and employers, right? Okay. Do you not find it very interesting that the chapter starts saying, okay, kids, parents, and then it goes to employees and employers? Here's my point. Young people, if you don't learn how to listen and place yourself under the authority of the parents that God chose for you, that love you dearly, if you don't figure it out now, it will not go well for you in the future. Can you imagine? You're on the job site. Your boss says, uh, John, I, I need to speak with you uh, in my office right away. And you say, uh, just a second, I'm on the phone with my girlfriend. Pink slip. That's what we're talking about here, preparing you for the future. The next word, verse two, is honor. Okay, you, you want to learn that word obey, which means hypokuo. It's it's to listen attentively, and um, and to place yourself under the word honor. Here, it means to understand the value of something and to act and speak accordingly. It means to understand the value of something and act and speak accordingly. So what this is saying is, kids, it's your job to understand the value of your parents and act and speak accordingly. Now, I, I dare say that there's probably some in the room who are vastly undervaluing your parents. Let me give you a quick reality check. Without your parents, would you exist? No. It's your parents who have nurtured you up until this point, right? I would say that they're fairly valuable. This then raises the bar on this concept of obedience. It means, listen, not just listening and obeying, but it means doing it respectfully. It means not just saying, okay, yeah, I'll go to my room. And just so you know, I made it. I'm going to slam the door. That's not honoring. Uh, the eye roll. I'll do what you say, but you're getting one of these. The heavy sigh. What you're saying is my parents are such idiots. It's not honoring. Again, roll this forward into the, the, the future you. Would you speak that way to your future boss? If so, your future boss is very quickly going to be your past boss. Hey, John, I need that report on my desk tomorrow. <sighs> Fine. It's not going to fly. Um, and, and last word that, that we need to look at as far as how to obey your parents. Look at verse one. And this is very important. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Now, this means a couple things, and it's actually really good because some parents really are not good parents. I mean, all of us are not perfect parents, okay? But there are some that it's really important for you to understand two things about this phrase, in the Lord. Number one, this means that if you're a Christian, kids, and I hope you are, that you treat your, your parents with respect, honor, obedience, not because they are perfect, but because it's the one thing that he who is perfect asks you to do. 
Right? He's told you your role in the family. And just so you know, some of you, again, have, you're, you're, you're not here normally. The last few weeks, we've all been getting this. We've all been getting the whip. And, and God says to, to, to fathers or to husbands, look, are you loving your wife the way you're supposed to? To, to? to wives, are you submitting the way you're supposed to? He's been giving us like one thing that we can keep track of. And for, for you kids, it's this. Look, do this. Even if your parents aren't perfect, do it in the Lord. That is, as unto the Lord. Your parents blow it, I promise you. First time the kids all day have been able to say, Amen. Your parents do blow it. Every week I see your parents come in and raise their hands because God is so gracious to forgive them of how they've blown it. But just because they've blown it doesn't change the fact that you still have one job to serve Jesus by obeying your parents. Now, that word in the Lord, it's also a great thing because it doesn't mean that your parents are the final authority that can never, ever be questioned in any circumstance. No, in the Lord means that he is the final authority. Here's what I'm trying to say. And, and I don't want to I don't want to make sure I say this right. Their authority, your parents authority over you is really, really high. But it's not absolute. Let, let me give you some some examples. If your mom or dad tells you to do something that's in direct disobedience to what Jesus tells you to do in the Bible, who are you supposed to obey? Jesus. But I'm talking about direct Conflict with Jesus. That's where, you know, you see in the Bible over and over again, it says, look, submit to authority, submit to authority. The king is a jerk, still submit to him. But if he tells you to quit doing, to quit sharing the gospel, because Jesus says, look, you're my disciples, go out and share the gospel throughout the whole world. Guess what? Are we to obey men or God? That's right, God. Okay? So, hopefully this is a ridiculous example, but if your parent, your mom or your dad, tells you to steal... Or lie? Or murder? You might want to go, No, Dad, I love you, but I'm not going to do that. But this does not mean that your parents have to be perfect or anything close to, like the Lord, for you to obey them. Your, your default, the thing that you're supposed to be doing, is to obey and honor. And unless they tell you to do something exactly opposite of what Jesus wants you to do, that's what you're to do. Okay, so how to obey? Listen actively. Put yourself under them. How do you, and also honor them. That is, treat them like you owe your existence to them. Okay, that is, value them. Basically, treat them with respect like you would your, your teacher, your future boss, uh, the police. And then finally, obey them in the Lord. That is, not necessarily to please your parents, but to please the Lord. Obey them in the Lord. Look at verse 1 again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now we come to verse 4. And you fathers. Oh, look, that's all the time we have. No, I'm just kidding. But, it actually, the, the, the first part of this did take longer than I wanted. And so I've been stressed out all, all morning. Try not to be stressed out, but I've given it up to the Lord. But I'm going to try to share with you fathers really important stuff in a really short amount of time and pray that, that 
we won't leave anything out or say anything the wrong way that you'll misunderstand. Okay, there's a lot of stuff here for fathers. Okay, Let, let's try. I want you to see, first of all, three words in verse 4. And you, fathers, so he's definitely turning his attention now toward the fathers. Do not provoke your children to wrath. Here's your first word, but bring them up. Here's the next word, in the training. And then the third word, in admonition of the Lord. All right, you guys ready? Let me see if I can do this fairly quickly. To bring them up. The word literally, fathers, is nourish. <clears throat> that is to a supporting environment that nourishes, that, that raises someone up. Okay? That one's not too hard to understand. Here's the next one. To bring them up in training. The word in the Greek is paideia. And I don't know if it's a stretch, but to me it totally makes sense. How many of you are Star Wars fans? Because you guys remember the uh, young Padawan? What's that? It's like an a, a, a apprentice, right? A Jedi apprentice, right? People don't say I'm relevant. Yeah, it's only 20 years old. Okay. <clears throat> to, to train your, your young Padawan. That's the idea. To train. Listen, listen what the word means. It means the whole training of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals and employs for this purpose, now commands and admonition, now reproof and punishment. It means to actually punish your kids to help cultivate them. To whatever cultivates the soul by correcting mistakes and curbing passions. And the aim is to increase Virtue. Inherent in this word, and you cannot get away from it, is the word chastisement or chastening. Y'all, that means spanking. At the appropriate age, um, and this is where, again, it's like, man, drop that bomb and then just say, see ya. Um, I've been listening to, to James McDonald. He's a really good preacher, and he gives... Some really good advice that is quick. And so I'm going to throw it out there and hope that you guys understand it um, and, and, and can take it in reason. But he gets some really good advice that seems reasonable to me about age-appropriate discipline. Okay? Let me start at the top, at the, the older end of the spectrum. Uh, from 15 to 18, you know, before they, well, 15 to 30, before they leave the house. Uh, the, the, it's all it's four R's. OK. And the, the R that's at the highest level is responsibility. As you are training your Padawan at, at the end, you should just be loading on responsibility so that they then they're not freaked out when they get into the real world. And oh, there's responsibility. OK, back it up a little bit. You go to 10 years old and above the way that you train your young Padawan is the removal of freedom. We call that grounding. Saying, nope, you're not doing that. Not doing that. Look, there, there, there's going to be consequences here. And here they are. If you back that up a little bit further, uh, he says from ages 6 to 12, reproof. That means basically a really stern talking to. And you know why the really stern talking to works if you follow this plan? Because from ages 2, 3 or so to 8... You have been using the other R word, a rod. I don't mean an iron rod, okay? Using, basically spanking. And all of a sudden, again, I've dropped this bomb, and maybe you're like, oh, well, this is the last time I visited that church. 
I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you're saying to yourself, well, I don't believe in spanking. God does. Jedi masters, listen to this sage advice for your Padawans. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. That's a funny picture. There it goes. Um, Proverbs twenty-nine fifteen: The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs twenty-three thirteen: Do not withhold correction for, for a child, for if you beat him with a rod, and please understand, it doesn't mean to beat him like we think of a, abuse. If you, if, if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. And the very next verse says, you shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Now all the kids are going, okay, now we really got to get out of here. Um, remember, this is age appropriate. Okay, you don't deal with, with a 16-year-old the same way you do with a 5-year-old. Listen, parents, if you're telling me I don't believe in spanking, I don't believe in chastisement. L- l- let me let me redefine it so that it actually covers all ages here. Chastisement is making someone's life temporarily miserable. For a permanent blessing. If you're saying to me, I'm not interested in making someone's life temporarily miserable for an ongoing blessing. That's not how I roll. I say, that's how God rolls. Am I the only one that he makes my life temporarily miserable so that I can ongoing have a better life? I guess I am. No one else? He doesn't chastise the rest of you? Okay, I hope so. Because you know what Hebrews 12 says? Hebrews 12, 7 says, if you endure chastening, The rod from God. God deals with you as with sons. If God takes you out to the woodshed every so often, that means you're one of his. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Verse 8, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and you're not really sons. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, by the way. If you're one of those guys that's saying to me, yeah, preach it on, brother, I'm going to go with the chart. No, you're not getting this at all. No chastening should be joyful for you. This, this ought to tear your heart out every time you have to do it. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained, Padawan, by it. I, could I respectfully ask, for, ask you, and again, At different levels, it means different things. But if the chastisement is being willing to make your son or daughter temporarily miserable for a permanent gain. Are you really going to tell me that you're willing to do less for your kids than your heavenly father does for you? But please understand, and this is where, you know, it's all risky because I want to make sure you, you I am not telling you. To go and to, to discipline your ch- children uh, in, in uh, the, the way the world you know, sees a, a belt whipping and all that stuff. Here's, here's what I'm saying. The next word is really important for you to understand. It says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training. We've looked at that word. It's not a word that the kids are loving right now. And admonition. That's another word you need, fathers. Here it is. Admonition. It means, listen, to set forth, uh, to explain something by discourse. Uh, to set, to fix, establish, to talk about this and say basically clear expectations. 
means fathers, you're to set clear expectations by speaking them. Dads, and unfortunately, I wish that moms didn't have to be in this role, but in today's society, sometimes they're the only people in this role, but uh, sometimes they're in this role because dad's gone for, for hours at a time, and that's because he's making a living. Listen, if you are forced to play this role, one way, a cliff note way to, to think of this, what, what he's getting at here. Two words, you can choose them. One would be the rod and then reason. Or maybe another one would be discipline and discipling. Okay? Dis- discipline and discipling. Let me give you an example that I'm very familiar with because it's happening quite frequently now with my son who's six years old, Isaac. We will have our discipline sessions. And every single time now, I will say, son, you know why I had to do that? Yes, Dad. You don't want me to go to jail. (laughs) Well done, young Padawan. That's exactly right. I don't do this because I like it. I do this because I don't want you to go to jail when you're older. I don't want you to learn this from your future employer. I don't want you to learn this at, at the end of a pink slip in jail, in prison. I certainly don't want you to learn this when the, the ravens are picking out your eyes. That's basically what this is saying. Look, you need to do this. Rod and reason, discipline and discipling. If you only do the rod and you never explain, then, then your kids are learning that God is just wrathful and he doesn't have any reasons for what he does. Right? If you ever, if you refuse to discipline them up at all, then Hebrews 12 says you don't even love your kids. That's the message they're getting. That's what it says. All right. Now let's back up. Ephesians chapter six, verse four. This is to the fathers and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. Now, this was a, a complete game changer for me as I, I began to really understand this this week. Because as you look at the face of it, it it totally makes sense. And it's right and it's true on the face of it. But I discovered, whoa, I didn't see that. Verse 4, what what does it sound like it's saying? It sounds like it's only saying, dads, don't unnecessarily goad your children. Don't exasperate them. Don't irritate them to the point where they're going to blow up on you. Right? That's what it sounds like it's only saying. And listen, that is true. Let me take this time to say some dads can say and do really stupid things that don't build up their kids. Listen, if you're a parent and you are screaming at your kids, if you're calling them stupid, if you're mocking them, if you're making them look foolish, or God forbid you are physically abusing the little ones that God entrusted you, if you're not modeling the self-control that you are demanding from them, you need to repent. And need to humble yourself and actually ask their forgiveness. We should never be out of control or angry when we discipline. But listen, kids. If you think, I'm trying to give you some healthy advice here. If you think that verse 4 is your friend, 
It, that it's something you can keep handy in your back pocket. It's a comeback. Well, when, when my parents say, look, it's time to discipline you, and I say, well, it's because you provoked me. I wouldn't use that. And here's why. This is brand new to me, but it's really important. Check it out, verse 4. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. You know what the word provoke is in the Greek? Para or gizo. Para means to come alongside, right? Parallel. Okay? Or gizo is another word for wrath or judgment. This was a game changer for me. You know what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 really ultimately says to parents, to dads? Fathers, do not just walk alongside your kids as they're headed for judgment. Don't you dare hold their hand and just escort them in to judgment. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Fathers, if you refuse to obey the end of verse 4 because it's not palatable to you, it says, but bring them up, that is, nurture them, so it is in a loving environment, in the training, that is, discipline. If you refuse to discipline them, and you will not or fail to disciple them, admonition, guess what? You are escorting them to future judgment. If you won't teach them obedience, honoring authority, they will learn it. They'll learn it in the unemployment line. They'll learn it in jail. They'll learn it in prison. If, if you refuse to do the end of verse 4, then you are holding their hand while they walk the path to judgment. Verse 4, And you fathers do not provoke, do not escort your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition. And here's the last word. And again, I wish I had more time. But this is really important of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and the reasoning. Explain to them why you've done what you've done and let it be all of it line up with what the Lord would do in this situation. Again, that conversation. Look, son, you need to know this is why I'm disciplining you. If they're five years old, this is why I use the rod. If they're older, this is why I reproved you. If they're a little older, this is why I'm removing your privileges. If they're even older, this is why I'm piling on the responsibility to you. You know why? Because when it's all said and done, your kids should know that you love them. And that's the reason you're doing the uncomfortable thing. I want my son to know every single time that he... He willfully disobeys, that he rebels. I want him to know, okay, my dad is not going to ever let me get away with that. Why? Because he doesn't want me in jail. He refuses to hold my hand on the way to judgment. Verse 1, let's just summarize. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke, do not hold their hand, uh, your children, to, the, to wrath. Escort them to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition. That is the, the rod and the reason or the dis- discipline and the discipling of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for the patience that uh, your disciples have shown today. Lord, um, I ask that you would just please pour out your spirit. Lord, and again, let no 
let no thing be misunderstood. And if there is misunderstanding, uh, please, Lord, let us talk about it um, over over the next week or so. Um, just let each person, Lord, uh, come to me and let me clarify if I haven't made something clear. Lord, I ask that um, you would pour out your spirit. Lord, uh, you're, you have a high calling here. Lord, that um, you don't want our, our young people to, to go astray and to suffer. Lord, and you don't want um, it to happen while their parents look on. And I ask, Lord, that in every way, Lord, you'd help us with our application. And you would once again, Lord, we've been praying uh, for a crisis. And that means a difference, Lord, a difference in, in the way that we behave from this day forward. Lord, I pray that, that for the, the children in the room who are living under their parents' roof. And I, I pray that, Lord, for the uh, the parents. And I pray that, Lord, um, for the children, uh, adult children, uh, to honor their parents as well. Lord, help us now in, in time of application. And uh, we love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.